reading from Psalm 33. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Praise the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright. All his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all their host by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea in a bottle. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from Genesis chapter 1. And it's a reading with a lot of detail about who God is and what God is up to. And so I invite you as you listen, I'm going to read it very slowly, to listen however best your imagination listens. Whether that's closing your eyes and letting your mind paint a picture, or reading along with the Bible that you can find in your pews. So hear this word from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the night the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Then God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from waters. So God made a dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Then God said, Let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. And the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bears fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. 
And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth and across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm, and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things, and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. This is the word of the Lord. Let's take a moment to pray together. Creator, With your words, you created the world. May your words stir something in us today and create something new in our hearts. That by your Holy Spirit, we might be moved to love you, one another, and the earth around us. Amen. For the next four weeks at Linwood, we are celebrating the season of creation, as Pastor Garrett has said many times this morning. And this season is not something that we alone here at Linwood are doing. It's something bigger than just our church. We join with other two billion Christians around the world, Roman Catholic, Orthodox, mainline Protestant, and others. This season of creation began several years ago for two reasons. To lift up passages in scripture that talk about creation, but also to teach us how to better care for this world that God has given to us. The season of creation, we will look at scripture that talks about earth, humanity, sky, and mountain. Today is Earth Sunday. As you have heard, our scripture readings for this Sunday are Genesis 1 and Psalm 33. But before we start to dig into these scriptures and wonder what they have to say for us today about God and how we should live, 
It is necessary to say a word about biblical genre in an ongoing theological debate. Many of us are really familiar with this passage in Genesis. It's often one of the first stories that's taught to us in Sunday school. And yet, this passage holds within it significant weight and debate over the years. Christians and non-Christians, scientists and theologians debate how the earth was created. And I want to say to you this. I do not believe that the purpose of Genesis is to be read as a science book. The purpose of Genesis is to tell us something of God, the world, ourselves, and our part in the world. When we read Genesis as a science textbook, I think we're missing the point, trying to prove God rather than witness God in the world around us and caring for the world in which God has given us. There are Christians who believe in a literal reading of Genesis and that the earth was created in six days. And there are other equally faithful Christians who hold Genesis to be true, but also believe in evolution. I just want to name that this morning. Um, I went to a conference a while ago for youth, and they mentioned that this tension holding back and forth is one of the things that youth really wrestle with in their faith. And so I just wanted to name that there are Christians who believe equal things on this and to welcome a conversation with anyone if you want to talk to me about it after the service or in an email or later this week. We could honestly take this whole sermon series to talk about the creation-evolution debate. However, I think there are much more important things we could spend our time on. Because for me, the point is not how God created, but that God created, period. Genesis is concerned with telling us that. The larger truth that God loved us enough to create the earth and did so. Genesis is not about science, but is about a narrative concerned with describing a larger truth. Something that's helped me understand this is a phrase I once heard a Native American storyteller say. He began all of his stories by saying, Now, I'm not sure if this is exactly how it happened, but I know that this story is true. This storyteller's wisdom is the same way that I approach Genesis. At its deepest core, Genesis is concerned with telling us the truth about God's character. God is creator. And what do we learn from these Genesis passages about the character of God as creator? Genesis 1 gives us a detailed, majestic, and intimate picture of the character of God. We hear that God creates order out of chaos and life out of nothingness. In our journey with Jesus group last week, Kathy reflected at that in this story from Genesis, we see both God's artistry and God's ability to create order. And in our weekly staff meeting, someone points out that we see God's sense of humor and play. For how often do we think about God scheming up in the heavens, thinking about creating a sea monster? Or as Pastor Garrett said, to what purpose does a platypus serve except to cause wonder and delight in the world? 
creation, the world around us, proclaims the glory of God. Some Christian theologians say that there's two ways we come to know about who God is. One is by witnessing God's work in creation, and the other is learning about God in scripture. Creation itself tells us about God's character. And there's so many things that we can learn about who God is from this story in Genesis and by looking in the world around us. Today, I want to reflect on two things. First, that God created out of care and love. And second, God delighted in what God made. First, God created out of care and love. From cover to cover, this Bible is telling us the story of the boundless, endless love of God. Scripture tells us the story of a God who did not give up on the stubbornness of God's people, and man, are we stubborn, but loved us so much that he gave his son to die for us and redeem us. And this story of God's love begins in creation. Because what could have possibly motivated God to create if it was not out of love? Genesis tells of God creating with detail, artistry, and wisdom. God creates life out of nothing, order out of chaos, relationship out of alienation. We'll come to next week hearing the story of how God created the humans. And in that story, we're told that God created humans in God's image, that they might have a relationship with God. If Genesis 1 teaches me anything, it's that God's generous love and care for the world is shown in the fact that God created it at all. Some people have this view of God as being a bit removed from the world of having created the world with such intimacy and creativity, kind of steps back and watches it happen, a little bit removed, almost like a a watchmaker who turns a watch to, to work and then lets it go. But this isn't the picture that we get in Genesis. God creates the world and enjoys it. God loves the world so much that God is entwined in every fiber and moving part of it. The earth is full of the very breath of God, and God is here with us today, creating still. It's God's love and care which makes this so. So first, we've we've learned that God creates out of loving care. But we also see that God takes delight in what God made. In hearing the creation story from Genesis 1, you may have noticed that there's a pattern in the story. It's told in a series of days, and each day ends with the same words. And God saw that it was good. I love this. Genesis gives us a story of an all-powerful, loving, creative, wise, majestic God who works tirelessly to create the world. And yet, at the end of the day, God stops and takes in with delight what was just made. God delights in creation. God even stops to delight in it. I wonder how each day God's delight in the waters, the trees, the animals, the flowers. 
my mind gets curious as I imagine the picture what God's face must have looked like when God gazed upon creation with delight. We've learned that God created out of loving care and that God delights in creation. And I wonder what these two aspects of God's character from Genesis mean for us and how we live also as God's creation. Later on next Sunday, we'll learn about humans and how God creates humans in his own image. And we as humans somehow mysteriously and beautifully reflect God and who we are. And because we are created in God's image, I believe that we are called to respond to creation, the earth around us, in the way that God does, in loving care and in delight. However, if you read or watch the news, chances are, are that you have heard of how humans do not lovingly care for the world that we are given. More often than not, Instead of being generous like God, we humans hurt and abuse the resources of the earth. We are greedy and wasteful with earth's resources rather than respecting the gifts of life that God has given us in the world. I believe that we, as Christians, should be the first to lovingly care for the resources that God has given us in creation if we are true image bearers of God. I'd like to tell you a little story. Pastor Garrett and I served a couple weeks ago as chaplains at Camp Fowler, and it was a great week. I know we have a couple, I think three youth today that were at Camp Fowler at one point or time. And Camp Fowler has something that they do really interesting at their meals. They seat everyone family style around a table and they bring out a big bowl of grilled cheese or cornbread with blueberries in it and you pass it around the table and you share as a group. And they teach that if everyone takes a little bit, there'll be enough for everyone. When the meal is over, the plates are gathered from the table and brought down to the end and they scrape all the waste off into a bucket. But they have a special word for this waste at Camp Fowler. Does anybody know what it is? Ort. The Ort Report. Ort is a really odd word, but it's actually a word in the English language that means food left over, food wasted. And so what they do with this Ort every day after every meal is they weigh it in a bucket and they have a chart that says how much ort was created after each meal. And the first day, you see campers kind of wonder, what is this ort that they're talking about, and why are they weighing it, and why is there waste left over? But then it becomes something that they grow to be a part of. They try to leave less waste behind with every meal and get zero ort. The campers learn that they can use their resources well if they take a little bit and not too much and enjoy what they are given. What if we all lived like the campers at Camp Fowler, trusting that if we take just enough of the resources that we need, there will be enough for everyone? There are so many ways that we can lovingly care for the creation that God has given us. We can be careful with how much we waste, even in our food, like the campers. 
Maybe it means living with simplicity rather than a consumeristic mindset. Maybe this means not using resources that you don't really need but hurt the world around us, like plastic bags or paper plates. I wonder what the impact on the world would be if no one at Linwood used a plastic bag ever again. Or what would it be like to track how much waste you produce every week as a household? Would you change your habits of using and recycling? I wonder what other ways we could glorify God by using the resources we are given with care and mindfulness. In addition to bearing the image of God in loving for creation, I believe that we are also called as image bearers of God to delight in creation, just as God did. As I shared with you before, Genesis says that each day God stopped, took in the work, and said, it is good. Scripture is full of psalms that describe God through the metaphors in the world around us. Even Jesus used an element of creation to describe himself when he said, I am the true vine and you are the branches. If anyone remains in me, they will bear much fruit. When we stop and delight in creation, we have the opportunity to look for God's presence in the world and to delight in it too. And Jesus used a nature metaphor to describe himself. I wonder what we can learn about God while watching the world around us. I'd like to invite you all to find some time to stop this week and reflect and delight in creation. What if you took a walk and looked deeper at the world around you? What might the trees, the sky, the flowers teach you about the character and mystery of God? There's a prayer book I have that prays this, and it's one that I often pray before going out to walk outside. It says, God, grant me the ability to be alone. May it be my custom to go outdoors each day among the trees and grasses, among all growing things. And there may I be alone and enter into prayer to talk with the one that I belong to. Another way you might practice delight is through poetry. Scripture is full of psalms that use creation as a metaphor for the character of God. A common one that we use Sunday to Sunday is that God's love is big enough to reach from the space between heavens and earth. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for us. One of the members of our congregation enjoys writing poetry, Alice Corcoran. She writes about a variety of things, including nature. And I'd like to read you a poem that she wrote. Uh, I visited her in the hospital this week. She's doing really well, and she said I could use this poem this Sunday. I saw in her poem a practice of how she stops to notice and delight in the creation of the world around us. Her poem is called Redwoods. These giants have grown in circles, ever-widening, since the time of Christ. God made lightning, and man made fire. It sears them now and then, yet they stand exultant, steadily ascending into the sky.
this Sunday, we've been talking about God is creator, who lovingly cares for the world and takes delight in it. And we, as God's children and bearers of God's image, must also love and care for and delight in the world. I've listened to various sermons over the years, um, before I was a pastor and even being a pastor, I have the delight of listening to Pastor Garrett every Sunday too, which is a joy. Not every Sunday, some of the Sundays. Can't count. Um, but as I've listened to sermons over the years, I have found that some of the sermons that I am most shaped by are sermons that allow me to practice in the space of preaching what is being preached. And so I would like us today during coffee hour to maybe practice these two things of lovingly caring for God's world, as God does, and delighting in creation. And there's a couple ways that we can do that and that are provided for you to practice this. And you don't have to do any of them. I'm not forcing you to. They're just there if you want to practice them. So for the practice of caring of creation, I would like to practice the wise use of our resources. If you're familiar with Linwood, you have maybe noticed that there's a rack of ceramic cups that you can use during coffee time. I wonder what it would be like today if we would all use those cups instead of the paper cups that are on the counter. And if you don't know the practice of using those cups at Linwood, you take one off the cart, you go to the window to a friendly person who'll fill up your coffee cup, and when you're done, you take it into the kitchen and wash it yourself and put it on the rack. So if you want to, you can do that as a way of caring for the resources in God's creation. And for the practice of delighting in creation, I have three potential activities that you can do. You don't have to do all of them or any of them. I don't want this to sound like homework. <laughs> First, as many of you know, Tom Preece has recently been doing his Eagle Scout project by expanding and renewing the trails in the Linwood Woods. And Tom has very graciously offered to take people on a nature walk through his new trails after the service. So if you'd like to join him, you are more than willing to. We'll maybe just um, give you time to get your coffee, and then I'll, I'll try to yell really loud to gather you back all together, and you can go out. Or if perhaps you don't find yourself able or wanting to walk through the woods, what if you um, go out that side door and just enjoy time in the prayer garden while you drink your coffee with another person? Notice the flowers and maybe the bees that are present and wonder about the glory and the beauty of God. And finally, for those of you that are truly brave, I have placed on the table in the fellowship center some paper and crayons. I've been really um, inspired by Alice lately and her love of poetry as I've visited her. And if you would like to either draw a picture of something in nature that inspires you or write a poem or a couple words, feel free to do that and leave it on the table and we'll display them in the Fellowship Center throughout our season of creation. Again, you don't need to participate in any of these things, but they're a way for us to just celebrate together. God's working in the world to practice caring for creation in a small way and to practice delighting in the good world that God has given us. Let's pray together. Creator God, we thank you for the abundance of creation, for the air that we breathe, the water we drink, and the food that we eat. 
We pray that we, your children, will steward this gift so that all your children may share in its abundance here and around the world, now and in generations to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.